0: Welcome to Code Grays, an episode by episode recap of the Shonda Rhimes classic, Gray's Anatomy. I'm Teresa Rosado.
1: And I'm Megan Totsky.
0: And join us for this week's discussion of season two, episode six.
1: Like like like
0: so it's been, it's been a long time. It has been a long time, dear listeners. It's, it's been a while. <laughs> We're sorry about that. We had some things. We had some <laughs> stuff going on. But I went we're... on vacation and then and then Megan's and then
1: my grandfather died, so I was away yep. for a while and I'm a teacher, so it's September, which means basically like a giant fuck you <laughs> to <laughs> September, which was previously a very delightful month and is now just yeah. not. Yeah. So we're back in it though. I'm super happy to be back. Super to happy to sort of have our groove again. Uh, Yeah,
0: it's it's been missing from my life for sure. Yeah, mostly because I've just missed talking to you once a week for two hours.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's real. (laughs) (laughs) But we are getting into like really great territory with this show. I feel like we're really getting into. uh, It's just getting so good. (laughs)
0: I'm so thrilled about where we're going yeah. with this show. Yeah. Yeah. Your text message the other day when you said
1: that um, How to Save a Life was on the radio wherever you were. <laughs> yeah. And it almost brought me to tears. <laughs> like a Frey song almost brought me to tears. And I didn't even hear it. You were just talking about it. <laughs> it was, just, you know, it was like, secondhand Frey. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is Done. Like, very sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good. I definitely stopped what I was doing and just yeah. took a moment to appreciate. It, yeah. Just so so sad.
1: all that to say, we're in a great spot and I'm really excited to talk yeah. about this episode.
0: It's only going to get better from here. That's right. And there's been kind of a wealth of Gray's coverage. And I think it's partly because season 13 just premiered. Yes. So it premiered Thursday night uh, when all the Shondaland shows are on. So just Ugh. tune in. Mm-hmm. Uh, not me, though, because I have to watch football for my fantasy football team <laughs> <laughs> that 's neither here nor there <laughs> um, but there 's been a lot of coverage. There was uh, a People magazine cover story about uh, Derek Shepherd himself, Patrick Dempsey <sighs> <laughs> looking dreamy as hell. It was a
1: really excellent cover. And I was at the dermatologist's office, and it was there. You bought it, right? You bought the magazine. Oh, yes. I bought it. Yeah. I, th- I just want to make sure our listeners know that. Not that I wouldn't have, but I happened to be at the dermatologist, and I passed about 15 minutes of waiting room time of not only reading the article, but then putting Snapchat filters on Patrick Dempsey's face. And it brought me a lot of joy. <laughs> I'm going
0: to be totally honest. <laughs> I saved them. Don't worry. So I'll share them. Please the do.
1: Because they need to
0: be seen. It was like <laughs> at his
1: home in... California or the Hamptons I don't know somewhere fancy and it had pictures of his children who are beautiful
0: they're really gorgeous
1: like his whole family is very very beautiful yeah which is not the most surprising thing that you'll probably hear today but like man I would absolutely recommend that people magazine
0: (laughs) it's people magazine is just they're so useful for celebrities (laughs) you know because like Dempsey has this movie coming out. He's in Bridget Jones' Baby, Bridget Jones Diaries Baby. <laughs> yeah. Something. <laughs> Something. I think that's I think that's wrong, but I think it's close to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's close enough. And you know, Patrick Dempsey has had a rough couple of years, namely because he's been a real asshat <laughs> having oh. a midlife crisis. Yeah. And so he like, you know, his 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 agent hooked it up for this softball interview with people. People magazine. Yeah. That's and, uh, so for instance, <laughs> any other periodical would probably not use such a soft lead, but uh, people magazine says as speculation swirled about why his marriage ended and whether he was fired from the show, the overwhelmed father of three stepped away from the spotlight. He focused on his passion for car racing and on the Dempsey center, a cancer facility. He founded in honor of his late mother. <laughs> god (laughs) you can't you can't be mad at him his mom died of cancer and he started a cancer center i know and it's funny because the fact that he was having a wildly inappropriate affair on set (laughs) he was (laughs) and ellen pompeo got his ass fired (laughs) what because she's friends with his wife (laughs) knew this was happening it was like a really young pa or something like a 23 (gasps) year old on set what And Ellen brought it up with Shonda, and then sure as shit, (laughs) (laughs) McDreamy gets killed off. That's what happened? That is what happened.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am so (laughs) scandalized. I wish you could see my face right now. I cannot believe McDreamy would do that. You know what? After this episode, I can believe he would do that. That (laughs) is right up his alley. (laughs)
0: Right, right. What a And dick. I think that he and he and Ellen had always had a pretty good relationship, like yeah. on and off the show. Um, and so obviously, you know, they knew each other well enough that she was quite friendly with his wife. And right? I can't even believe she was the whistleblower. <laughs> like, Seriously? Ellen Pompeo will destroy you. Like, she's I have a lot when of he... respect for that tiny lady. Yeah.
1: When he first left the show in the first interview that he did after with like I don't know who it was Entertainment Weekly or something like that, and it was a totally like fluffy obligatory uh interview, but at the very end, they said, like, "Is there anything that you took with you from the set?" And he was like, "No, I'm not really that kind of person. like It was a great experience being on the show, and i I have memories, and that's all that's all I need." And he was clearly just sort of like washing over all the questions, and at the end they were like, they were like, "Well." what will you miss most about it? Or some, maybe they even asked directly, like, do you, will you miss working with Ellen Pompeo? And he, <laughs> he like got misty eyed about it. And he was yeah. like, I cannot tell you how, what a privilege it was to work with her for a decade or whatever.
0: So it says then on the next page, um, I love this. I just, I'm really like, I'm overly invested in sort of the PR mechanics of Hollywood. Mm. Like I just I'm fascinated by it. This Brad and Angelina divorce has been it's it's beautiful. I really <laughs> want you to fill me in on it. Not right now there's while we're so recording, much but I through. I really want you to explain it to me because I know there's so much I don't know. <laughs> I'd be I'd be so happy to. I also work at a hair salon and it's oh. like the whole salon came to a standstill. I could not I was like truly thanking God for the opportunity to be where I was when I found out that Brad and Angelina were getting divorced. And I bet that was wonderful. But anyway, this profile, the next page, you know, they say eventually McDreamy had to go. The decision to kill off his character was a mutual one made with creator (laughs) Shonda Rhimes says Dempsey. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm sure a mutual one made
1: with Shonda Rhimes in Ellen Pompeo. (laughs) Spoiler alert for all our listeners out there. He gets killed off.
0: <laughs> He's dead.
1: <laughs> Not that Teresa would know because she's too much of a baby to watch that episode.
0: Okay. Okay. I just want to put that Listen, out there. It's too much. I've been experiencing a lot of turmoil in my life. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, to wrap this up. Uh, he and his wife went to couples therapy, mm-hmm. and which, he decided, <laughs> which he highly recommends. She highly recommends. It's very interesting. You know what I recommend? Not cheating on your wife of fifteen years. <laughs> One last thought on this softball cover article to save Patrick Dempsey's reputation, so that people go and see him in Bridget Jones' Diary's baby. <laughs> By November, ten months after the split announcement, the the pair were spotted holding hands in Paris. Uh, we decided it was time to get in there and work on our individual issues we were both committed we both wanted to fight now he refers to their reconciliation as a quote new beginning end quote they celebrated their 17th anniversary on July 31st the lessons he learned you've got to communicate and stay open and not get lazy and lots of sex end quote that's the thing he says after cheating on his wife, getting caught, getting fired from his show, <laughs> what he learned is that relationships need to have a lot of sex to succeed. with With your spouse, just to yes. be clear about it, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the person mm-hmm. that you. Because definitely life to the, the problem person... before was that they weren't having enough sex. That's right. So he, well, went and got he sex was he with someone else, but she wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm, I am genuinely happy for him that he's figured out his marriage and he seems to have yeah. like, refocus, refocused on his family. Um, yeah. And I'm happy yeah. that People Magazine was there to <laughs> give him the opportunity oh. to rehabilitate his image. Document the whole thing. <laughs> oh. Thanks, People Magazine. <laughs> so then there's another piece that we're not going to get into because I haven't read it, but uh, there's, this, there's this writer for The Ringer, um, Bill Simmons' news site, And her name's Allison P. Davis, and she's pretty great. And she's pretty clearly on the Grey's Anatomy beat, Mm. which I so respect. And she wrote a piece on Patrick Dempsey that's just called, like, Why Patrick Dempsey is the Ideal Leading Man, or, like, Romantic Comedy Leading Man or something. (laughs) I can't wait to read it. I'm so excited. (laughs) Send it to me. So we'll parse that for you uh, next episode. (laughs) Next week. That will be our 20 minute intro. Yeah. Okay. Should we
1: get into this episode?
0: I think we probably should. Okay. Do you want to give us like a quick summary of it? Yes. I actually, I'm prepared for this. I did review the wiki page, which is super long for this episode
1: it was really long for this episode I was looking for the name of a particular song that I liked and I was like damn scrolling for ages ready set
0: go so we start out with Meredith waiting at Joe's for Derek to show up and having picked her Uh, He doesn't, and they're all called into um, an emergent situation at the hospital. There's been a massive train wreck. It collided, I don't know, with a ferry. And um, (laughs) there are dead people everywhere, and it's awful. Um, Yang sees a man without a leg, and she decides she wants to scrub in on that surgery and spends the whole episode trying to find a leg. Meredith is still drunk, so she can't operate. Derek has picked Addison and is working on Bonnie and Tom, who are attached by a pole, you're done. Which is not going to end well. You're damn. Done. You went damn, ten damn, seconds damn. over. Oh, damn. Okay, listen. That wiki page was long for a reason. <laughs> My favorite
1: part, highlight real, <laughs> is when you said that the train ran into a ferry. <laughs> just, just putting it out there that that's impossible. <laughs> So we start off with drunk Meredith, which I think that we both you you made the great point of that. TV shows often, or you know, Hollywood often sort of overdoes drunk characters, and it's just too much. But mm-hmm. that is just not the case with Meredith Grey. <laughs> she is a wonderful drunk person. She's- I live I live for days when our characters are drunk. <laughs>
0: She's great. Like, I don't want to insinuate that Ellen Pompeo has had a lot of practice, (laughs) but I will say that she's incredible at acting drunk. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: And what my favorite, I think it's a great line when she says... First of all, I know that I'm a vapid narcissist when you mix me with tequila or something like that. Because she is, she's a total vapid
0: narcissist, but mm-hmm. in a very delightful way. It's very, it's super endearing, though. Yeah, it's really nice. I felt like um, even the monologue was a little bit drunk, which I like. Yes, she exactly. <laughs> I love that detail. It's
1: great. It's like a really funny total aside, but I really do love that the the monologue is drunk.
0: So. Into You Like a Train, um, titled after a song by the Psychedelic Furs, which is cool. Mm. Uh, But a little bit of trivia, they almost titled it You Ought to Know, after, of course, the Alanis Morissette song. Oh, yeah. Which, like, would have been fine. But, I mean, Into You Like a Train is pretty spot on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) For the events of the episode.
1: (laughs) So we have, yeah, we've got sort of, I would say, looking at... We've got sort of the main story of Bonnie and Tom, and then we have Leg Guy and then we have Pregnant Ladies. Yes. And then we have Alex. Yes. So we've got sort of four main storylines going on here. Exactly Let's start right. with Bonnie and Tom because I think that they they take up the
0: most emotional energy in this show. And yeah. I'm already they're
1: feeling a little sad talking about it.
0: Yeah, I know. They're totally they're totally the best storyline and I think it's some of our best patients. Uh, really, though? Like classic. I mean... Oh.
1: <laughs> classic, classic. <laughs> so what's happened is that they were... These two strangers, uh, I would say a middle-aged man named Tom and then a young woman named Bonnie, were riding the train and they're impaled by what I would say is maybe like a nine-foot pole mm-hmm. straight through their chests, through their stomachs. And they're facing each other and, and they're both conscious and they're both like... More or less, are, they're in uh, obviously a massive amount of shock and and can't fully understand their injuries. But Bonnie is this incredibly delightful, optimistic, joyous young woman. <laughs> and Tom is this like sort of kind. I don't know. I don't know how to describe Tom. He, he's like I gentle mean, he's, and kind. He's very gentle and wonderful and giving. And And it becomes pretty clear that one of them is not going to live. And they're trying to decide sort of who they're going to who they're going to save here. And Bonnie's injuries are much more extensive than Tom's, as displayed by many what do not seem like very scientific tests, (laughs) (laughs) like wiggling your toes. And can you feel that? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so they decide that they're going to slide Bonnie off of the off of the pole and and work their way around Tom and save Tom. And you made the point
0: that you don't think that they should have told Bonnie that this was the case? Yeah. I I just found that a, kind of a baffling decision because she, she was going to die immediately when they pulled uh-huh. the, the pole out. And so I don't... I, maybe I'm an awful person, but, like, why... I, maybe they legally had to tell her. I don't know. I was just really confused. Like, they could have just left that part out. I I just felt like it's not like she was ever going to find out, you know? Well,
1: like, so do you think that they should have just been like, Yep, yeah, we're going to pull the pole out. Like, best of luck. See when you get
0: up? K- kind of, Yes. <laughs> Even though they knew that she wasn't gonna live, <laughs> I kind of do feel that way because she was gonna, she was, she was gonna die as soon as they pulled the pole out. Like it's not like the, it's not like she was gonna linger on with her injuries. It's not like she would have known. So why not say, you know, our best option here is to remove the pole, um, and then we will rush you both into surgery and like. And not be like crazy optimistic, like you're gonna be fine, Bonnie. But <laughs> just not be like, Bonnie, we're picking Tom, and uh, it's it's time for you to go. You're gonna need to. You're gonna need to go ahead and go.
1: But don't you think that she wants to be able to say her goodbyes? You know, like to be able to say, you know, her. Th- I mean, I think it's kind of a a funny thing, but when she says, like, I think tell that Danny,
0: she, I think that she would have anyway. I know I I just think she would have said you know been like before you do this I want to say a couple of things for my fiance who's not here yet or whatever Mm. you know like I feel like they could have impressed impressed it upon them that this was a really difficult procedure and that they were not hopeful that they would both make it or that either of them would make it you know they could have done that without being like straight up (laughs) We're funny, Tom, you're gonna die immediately, um, and we're not that sad huh. about it. We feel really good about Tom's chances. <laughs> <And> <laughs> you're a lost cause,
1: yeah, I don't know. I guess I have mixed feelings about that. I never thought about it that way. you know, I never thought that like i I guess I just always feel like they have to be honest with the the reality of the situation, you know, like if they're gonna do a risky surgery, they have to say. You know, there's a five percent chance you're gonna make it, and maybe they didn't need to be like, "Yeah, there's a negative five percent chance you're gonna make it." <laughs> you know, we're actually <laughs> surprised
0: you're talking right now. You should have died already, and it's kind of inconvenient that you seem very alive <laughs> with all of her optimism. God. I just well, that I thought that was weird. I I don't know. I.
1: I just never thought about yeah. it that way before. I mean, I, I guess I don't think you're wrong, but I, I also think that they kind of got it. I don't know. I think I would want to know if I was going to die. Maybe I
0: wouldn't. I just I wouldn't, you know, <laughs> so that's, why, that's where I'm coming from, you know, because it's like you're just you're just going to go immediately unconscious and then you're never going to wake up again.
1: <laughs> and like, I guess I, should say I wouldn't never want know. that information, but I feel like they have to tell her.
0: Uh, Maybe I'm totally wrong. (laughs) I like I think they needed to tell her that like things were not looking good, but I don't think they needed to tell her you are going to die (laughs) and we are actively going to choose this other person. (laughs) Well, it's also really traumatic to Tom. Right. (laughs) That's it's <laughs> like, can you imagine being Tom in that situation? No. Like,
1: Thanks. <laughs> He's probably going to die like next year of a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> like.
0: <laughs> like, it's really traumatic to Tom and it's unnecessarily <laughs> like traumatic to this person who's already in shock and already probably feels like they're not going to make it. You know, I don't know. It's just... <laughs> Come on, man. Like white Well lies let's talk are about okay. the, the,
1: the emotional reasons why we needed <laughs> yes. her to know that. Sure. Is That's
0: that, really it. Is, is
1: that, I mean, show wise, we obviously needed her to know that because Bonnie <laughs> Bonnie's <laughs> life <laughs> is a symbol of Meredith. <laughs> so Bonnie's like this hopeless, hopelessly like optimistic, happy-go-lucky, like she's cracking jokes while she's on her deathbed, you know and this whole time Meredith's trying to figure out if Derek picked her or not right cuz she left the bar cuz they got called in and it was Derek's job to show up at the bar and Derek of course showed up the bar at the bar moments after Meredith had left and he i agree he we both made note that he looked particularly mm. fabulous when <laughs> he walked in great. the bar He like great i was so mad <laughs> and so Bonnie is of course a total foil to Meredith, right? She's super optimistic, she's super happy despite her terrible situation and Meredith is just like completely clinically incapable of being optimistic in basically any realm.
0: Cuz which can is you blame her?
1: Shit. No, her life is total shit. But so is Bonnie's. Bonnie's is worse. And and it's just, you know, she's just this total foil to Meredith's character. And so when Bonnie dies, <laughs> it's
0: a symbolic death of Meredith and Derek's relationship. It yes, yeah. I mean, you pointed to some of the language that's like actually used <laughs> in the episode, yeah. <laughs> including. Is there any way to operate without separating them? No. Remove the pole. They'll both bleed out. So basically, whoever you move doesn't stand a chance. So how do you choose? How do you decide who gets to live? And then Derek looks at Meredith and says, you could argue that we should move him because her injuries are more extensive. (laughs) I want to punch him in the fucking face when he says that. (laughs) Like, I just...
1: And you can see, like, he clearly... So what happens ultimately, right, is that he picked Meredith at the beginning of the episode and by the end of the episode, after seeing Bonnie and seeing Bonnie die... (laughs)
0: He has gone back to choose Addison. You know what? I disagree with that. I disagree with that assessment of the situation.
1: What do you think?
0: I think that he picked Addison. Always. Oh, that he always really? picked Addison. And he went to the bar to tell her that. Oh, no way, man. I yes, think he picked her. Because and then- Addison, because of Adi- like the way Addison acts and then at the end of the episode, like how easily they just slip into going home together. I absolutely think when when she's like, you know, you better whatever, like I'm going to be sticking around for a while to Izzy because Izzy clearly doesn't doesn't like her. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Addison is like, I like I don't know what to say because I'm going to be around for a while. I I feel like she's been waiting to drop that bomb all episode like because think about it logistically at what point during the night does does Derek have the time to talk to Addison and be like you know I want to it's you I want it to be you.
1: Yeah, I mean, logistically, I get it, but I don't know. I Like, he goes to the bar, and I think that the the attitude when he... That's, like, a stretched-out scene when he walks into the bar and Joe's like, dude, you're late, or whatever. He... I just think that his... The expression on his face, and he's clearly, like, running to get there and clearly wants to tell her, mm. you know? And I think mm-hmm. that the lens that Bonnie's bringing when she says, "Tell like, my Danny wouldn't understand, I'm glad he's not here, tell him that if love were enough, I would be there with him, you know? I think that... She's and it's her fiance. You know, Danny's her fiance, and so I think that he's having second thoughts about choosing Meredith because he's having this interaction with this young woman who all she wants to do is be married, and he's throwing away his marriage by choosing Meredith. I don't. And so I, I just, think that I don't in think that so because he, then,
0: like the like when he first sees Meredith in the hospital, there's zero indication, zero he indication. Her. He nods at her when he. She's standing there with George, and George is like, "Is that a nod?" Yeah, but it wasn't. That tells me nothing. That was like, How? "Hi, sorry I missed you."
1: Like,
0: I really like. I believe this deeply. I've really thought about this, and I really, really. Think oh, I so disagree with guy you. Guy I just him.
1: think you're wrong. <laughs> This is good. Oh, no way, man. No (laughs) way. He picked her. He went to the bar. He, like, swooped into the bar, and he was late, and, oh. Man, (laughs) no way. You're totally wrong. He picked her, and then he changed his mind halfway through, because Bonnie.
0: (laughs) Well, either way, he doesn't pick Meredith. He doesn't. And Bonnie does die horribly. (laughs) God.
1: Just... Oh, it's so sad when she dies. Yeah, it's so sad. There's this like awful moment where Derek is telling Meredith that he's picked Addison, and they're in the scrub room, and he just, he just you know tells her, and then it immediately pans to them sawing the pole in half and Bonnie dying.
0: And you know, it's actually it's it's super heavy handed, and I recognize that. But yes. it's actually an incredibly moving scene or like shattering scene when, mm. when they go off with Tom, cause they rush Tom off on a gurney into surgery. Um, or they're like trying to prep him to move him. And Meredith is in, is in the operating at uh, operating room at this point. Um, she has, she doesn't have a hangover. She's not drunk anymore. I don't know. We'll get into that with the medical <laughs> fact of the week. But, um, she, uh, yeah, so she just starts shouting. You can't just abandon her. What about her? We can't just abandon her. We can't just abandon her. Mary. what about her? We cannot just abandon her. We have an obligation. And it is awful. It is. It is. She's so Ellen Pompeo murders that scene. It's just it just kill you feel impaled by it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's and awful to watch. I just felt like, you know, I understand that for a lot of people, this was really just like an indication of, of their limits with Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. <laughs> that she's, she's that Meredith is clearly comparing herself or putting herself in the shoes of a woman who's just been impaled by a pole in a train accident and left to bleed out while doctors work on saving a different person's life (laughs) (laughs) and like she genuinely thinks that her breakup is analogous (laughs) to that situation (laughs) but i don't find it distasteful at all (laughs) i don't either and in fact i think it's a great analogy
1: agreed (laughs) you know you know i just do i just don't think she's wrong I agree that these are two of my you know this case is one of my absolute favorites on the show I think that these two you know Bonnie and Tom really knock it out of the park and I I just I don't know I really like it it's really very very tragic and it's tragic every time
0: yeah in a really in a uh, sort of a crucial point in Meredith's career so far which is you know I don't want to get spoilery but um, yeah that's true really something that's that's, that sticks with her Bonnie really sticks with her Which I appreciate. Let's talk about. Should we talk about Izzy? Yeah, Madison. Wait, I don't really remember Izzy. No, I do. I got it. I remember.
1: (laughs) So there's these delightful best friends. (laughs)
0: <laughs> which easily could be
1: us in 25 yeah. years <laughs> very easily <laughs> uh they've been friends since they were in third grade and they are both single women in their I, I i don't know i assume in their mid to late 30s and they decide to get the same sperm donor and they're pregnant essentially with you know what turn out to be siblings of course <laughs> and they they were in the train accident and one of them is burned and Anyway, it's it's two OB cases and so Addison is of course on the case and they're both going into labor. And Izzy is her intern. And I really really like this interaction between Izzy and Addison. I think I I, I love what you said about I wish that Addison or Izzy was somebody else because Addison has so much to teach. Oh, yes. <laughs> or yeah. something to that effect. <laughs> yes. No, I think that's a great point, you know. <laughs> Izzy's just such a emotional You know, she just makes all of her decisions with her heart, which is very hard to watch. And we see that quite a bit of that in this episode.
0: Yeah. Izzy's like clearly just trying. She's just begrudgingly following orders with Addison. And it's so stupid. It's so like she looks so immature and I respect her loyalty to Meredith. I really do. As like uh, someone who's like loyal to to their detriment. (laughs) Like I really Mm -hmm. get it. (laughs) But she looks like an idiot. (laughs) Really and Addison does. is so clearly above it. I mean, her she is she's like stone cold this episode, like no facial expressions, nothing. And Izzy makes the the rather absurd de- decision to stay with um one of the women who is I don't think she's go, I don't think is she's she in labor? Yeah. Into labor? Yeah. She went into but labor she's like and, she's yeah. fine. <laughs> Right. It's just a regular and old And Addison delivery. needs to take the other woman into surgery. She's also going into labor, but there's a, a complication. And so, Addison, you know, her expectation is that her intern is going to assist in this surgery, which would be really great experience for Izzy and the kind of work she has not had an opportunity to do. And Izzy's like, I'm good here. <laughs> I'll stay And there. Addison has just like the, the eye roll like just yep jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> and i think
1: that like my favorite it's actually my i think i decided maybe that it was my line of the week is the sort of monologue that Addison has at the very end of this this particular storyline and she says to Izzy like i get why you're loyal and i get why you hate me because you know, I came, you know, swooped into town and it was the evil witch of the West. And it's it's her, her, I think that it's really good writing in that little monologue. But her point is like, when you decide how important it is for you to hate me, you let me know because you have a true gift for my specialty and I have a lot to teach. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, yes, Addison. It's good. It's really good. It's so good. I just love that. And, And Izzy's just like, duh <laughs> okay she's i'll just let like, you know she's,
0: she's this weird combination of like awestruck and yes. standoffish this whole episode with addison like she's she's paralyzed by kate walsh's beauty but also really wants to be mean to addison right <laughs> which is just not something she's very good at no she's not good at it is not good at being a cold hard bitch. That's not her style. So then we've got then we've got uh, Yang. <laughs> oh God, Yang! Just in a really bizarre storyline. <laughs> it really is. It's very weird. I'm so <laughs> confused. <laughs> yeah, it's because a weird, she sees weird this thing. guy who's missing a leg, and the chief is wheeling him, you know, into surgery or whatever because other things are happening with him. The leg seems to be like the least of this guy's worries. And so he tasks Yang with finding the other leg. And so Yang spends the entire episode kind of hysterically searching for this missing leg, like frantically searching for this missing leg to get it to the chief. And everyone she encounters, she makes it seem like this is a make or break thing for her for her like future in the program. And I understand that it's not quite, you know, like getting coffee as an intern for your boss, but it kind of is like, it's not like she's, she's not performing any kind of surgery or procedure. Like she's literally trying to track down a leg that has nothing to do with her abilities as a doctor. (laughs) Yep. But she really has it in her head that she's going to be
1: cut. It's weird. Yeah. It's super, super strange. Is it because
0: the time she had to take off with the like uh, ectopic pregnancy and in that stuff, is she like panicked about the time she's missed? I don't, I, my read on it is that
1: she knows that the, that the chief is, it's his first surgery back and he's pissed that it's been so long. And he's really like, he's not showboating, but I think that he's super invested in looking like an awesome doctor. Because he's been off and because he's old and because he had surgery and all these different things and Derek won't mm. clear him for surgery and whatnot, that he wants it to be an awesome surgery and he wants to look good. And Yang knows that. And so she's like the scene with the paramedic, right? When the paramedic is like, we all look alike or whatever, which we can talk about that because I think it's a good, <laughs> I think it's a funny little scene. But Yang says listen, I'm trad- I'm straddling too many giant egos right now. I'm, I'm already doing the splits or something like that. And so to me, it's sort of a nod at like the chief's ego is so big and his stake in this surgery is so stupidly high for no real reason that she has to play into that because it's her, you know, like he asked her to do this one thing and he's going to look stupid if the one reason that this guy doesn't have a leg is because we couldn't find it. Yeah. So I, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's reading into it wrong, but I think that like that's the only thing that I can come up with because it's such a strong focus on the egos. So and I think that like the way that the chief is behaving is like makes me a little bit uncomfortable that like he's pushing Christina, but not really in the right way or not really in like a it's a little bit like coffee, like you were saying. So I don't know. That's that's my that's I think that that's why she's so invested in it is because she's she knows that he has to look good and it's her job to do that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's it's not a flattering like sort of picture of the chief, you know, not as at a all, boss because <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I agree that so
1: Alex ev- eventually finds Christina brings back like two legs that are the wrong leg, <laughs> and then Alex eventually finds the leg, and he really needs a win. You know, he's he's had a rough couple couple of episodes, and I totally agree with you that I don't begrudge him at all for he he finds the leg and then gets to scrub in on the surgery, and I totally don't begrudge him for doing that. She would have done the exact same thing if it were worst. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. like I think that she's so pissed at him and it's like, <laughs> whatever, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, okay. Yang. <laughs> and like, it's a like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not even all that interesting of a story. I just, like, no, I it know. is.
0: It's yeah. It's it's not a particularly it's weird. It's like surgery. a weird. It's not, but you know, it's with the chief and I guess that does matter. They kind of use as a laugh line, you know, and it's, it's funny. The first leg she brings is the wrong leg. Like literally like they need the right leg Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she brings the left leg, which this guy already has. Yep. (laughs) But then the next leg she brings is like manicured and shaved. (laughs) And again, the chief is like, does this look like a man who woke up this morning and shaved his legs and painted his toenails? And I was kind of like, you know what chief? Maybe who are you to say? You know. Yes. He didn't quite get to the other leg. He was rushing to catch these goddamn trains.
1: Happened. More
0: often than you think it does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You get halfway there and you're like, you know what? I'll finish at the hotel. I, know, exactly. I gotta go. Exactly. <laughs> so whatever, Chief. Yeah. It's twenty-first century.
1: He has like a big old man ego in this episode, <laughs> and I'm not into it. No. <laughs> not no. into it at all. <laughs>
0: uh what else who else do we have that's all i have to say about them do you have anything to add (laughs) no that's no that's pretty much it um we we could talk about karev (laughs) tragedy Uh, of alex karev
1: god this is sad (laughs) (laughs) so karev has been sentenced to the er because he's afraid to do operate because he failed his boards or he yeah
0: he failed his boards right that's what happened to him he failed his intern exam not his boards. oh his oh yeah 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right that's that's years away. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Failed his intern exam and after heart in the elevator and his ego has essentially been totally, his, he's lost his mojo as Meredith says. And so he's been sentenced to the ER. Well, Bailey says, well, you get over your newfound fear of scalpels. And he's working Cold. on this woman who's, you know, she's, she has what seemed to be relatively minor injuries and her friend is there and her friends is like, over-the-top sort of, like, (laughs) character. She's, like, yelling at her, in her cell phone all the time, and she's, like, trying to tell everybody that she's okay, which is totally realistic, you know, that you would get, if you were on that train, that you would get a million calls saying, are you okay, are you okay? And so... I like that this bit about This redneck it. tried to outrun the train. <laughs> outrun the train. And... <laughs> oh, we're fine, honey. Huh? Yeah, some redneck tried to outrun the train. Honey, the train
0: slammed into his ass, and then it rolled. Uh-huh. Oh, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, kind of, like, so- stereotypically, like, loud, like, boisterous, you know, black best friend. <laughs> like, exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> and her name is Yvonne, and so the the friend who's getting... um treated by Karev. You know, he's sort of stitching up her face, and they tragically sort of wait in line for a long time for her to get a CT scan to make sure that she doesn't have any internal bleeding. And eventually, they're getting ready to discharge her, and Yvonne has sort of fallen asleep on the, you know, her, uh, fallen asleep on her bed while they're waiting for the results. And their phone rings, and and she has been, she doesn't get up, and they've found that she's been bleeding internally for hours, and she's dead. <laughs>
0: yeah, just straight up dead.
1: <laughs> what?
0: Oh, I What'd said just say? straight up dead. Just Yeah, she's just gone. Not <laughs> like, like coding,
1: just she's dead. No, like, like she has been dead for a while. <laughs> and so, and it's just very sad. It's like really tough to watch. Karev, like, she's like he's like, she wasn't even the patient. How was I supposed to know? And
0: it's like, I don't know, dude, like you're a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is... <laughs> I took I took slight issue t- to your assertion that, like, th- you know, she dies and there was nothing he could do. And I get that, like, once she's dead, there's nothing he could do. But right. <laughs> before she died, he could have, you know, I don't know, treated her as though she was someone who had just been in an incredibly, right. like, massive, destructive train accident <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even I don't think he even took her pulse like he never yeah. he didn't do any That's kind really of work up whatsoever and and it's like you know what like she a hundred percent died because you were bad at your job like there's no way out of it like you were shitty at your job and maybe getting this leg is going to make you feel better about it but like that patient died because of you because you didn't bother to do any kind of checkup on her to see what her situation might have been. You didn't take her seriously at all. And that's on you, and not on anyone else.
1: That's really true. I really appreciate... I never thought about it that way. You know, I, I think that we're supposed to feel bad for Karev in this situation, but I think that that's a really, probably pretty accurate... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the, it's like the, the, triage 101, you know?
0: and he failed at it. And I feel yeah. bad for him. I You know, don't get me wrong, I feel awful for him. It's It's truly a heartbreaking moment, but I'm like, dude... <laughs> That's your fault. That's on you. Yeah, he says, he says at one point, and he's clearly in shock, right? So, yeah, you know, so take that with a grain of salt. But he says, she didn't say anything. (laughs) Like, (laughs) as though a person can feel that they are internally bleeding. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) And I, so I just made the point that like this is a man who has clearly never been surprised by a period. You know, that's so real. That's such a like thing. women wouldn't have period underwear if one could feel, right? <laughs> just <laughs> she didn't say anything. Like that's the point of internal yeah. bleeding. That's why it's so <laughs> dangerous, and that's why we train our surgeons <laughs> to look for it. Yeah. Yeah oh so anyway that's bad it's bad and yeah, sad. it's a bummer it's a pretty big bummer for everyone involved he's really she didn't say anything striking out episode after episode and it's not gonna stop for a while if i remember correctly yeah,
1: yeah i don't think so. so i don't think so should we get into the bits
0: yeah i think let's
1: do some bits don't think that I'd heard this song before this episode but the very last song in this episode when Burke is talking to Tom's wife and it's sort of the end after all these like frankly pretty tragic things have happened Uh, it's called Today Has Been Okay which is just dawning on me now (laughs) How tragic of a song title that is by Emiliana Torini Today has been
0: Did you did you hear the song? I did, yeah. It was good. Know, it didn't I, make I, a huge impression on me, but
1: Yeah. It's the one that made the biggest impression on me.
0: Yeah. Which what did you have for Song of the Week? It's honestly they like there we watched these so long ago, like a, yeah. a month ago, that I can't particularly right. remember any of the music, but I did at the time write down that the, the opening song, which is called Blood and Peanut Butter. <laughs> which gross. <laughs> That's uh, so
1: gross blood and
0: blood and peanut peanut butter by BC Camplight, who I've never heard of is possibly nope. just like the lead singer of the ditty bops. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I really liked it. I thought it was a great intro song. It was uh, just, you know, I don't remember why I liked it, <laughs> but you wrote it down a month ago, but I wrote it down and I also wrote down, I threw some shade at the song during Bonnie's death scene that I apparently was not impressed by its level of sadness. I I felt that it could have been much sadder. (laughs) (laughs) They should have just asked us. We know a lot of sad songs. Yeah, yeah. it would have been. (laughs) Come on, guys. I have a library of sadness. Death Tally,
1: which you didn't do, but I did. (laughs) Um, I had what I will call three plus. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One for Bonnie.
0: Three plus 300.
1: (laughs) (laughs) One for Yvonne. And one for the redneck who tried to outrun the train, (laughs) plus about 200 other people who died in the train accident. Sure, yeah. Which got referred to at one point as lots of carnage.
0: Yes. So, death tally, three plus. And, like, there were a lot of missing legs. Because Yang kept finding (laughs) the wrong missing leg. So, just a lot of limbs detached from people in this train accident. Yeah,
1: it really sounds like they... Yeah, I don't know. It sounded awful for my I want a preface that like for 007 and chief resident, I honestly didn't have there were no clear winners for me for either of these. I think that generally our attendings do a good our attendings. And I guess Bailey is not an attending at this point, but our attendings in Bailey do quite a good job of being leaders and like of not even being leaders of being doctors in this episode. Um, I think that sort of creative solutions to things and generally they don't really fuck it up (laughs) and it's like a really uh, emotionally sort of exhausting case. And so seeing them just sort of do their jobs and make the best decisions that they can is, is sort of refreshing to watch (laughs) because it's not always the case. And um, our interns like have a pretty steep emotional curve here, you know, Mm -hmm. that like there's a lot going on in their personal lives that sort of prevent them from (laughs) being good doctors and so I just didn't there I don't know for me there just wasn't a clear winner for either of those things. Like nobody blew me out of the water with their success nor with their, you know, failures. And maybe, I mean, now looking back into what you had said about Karev, maybe Karev's the the choice for 007 with the Ivan situation, because he really did fuck that up in hindsight. But I don't know. There wasn't before before that dialogue that we just had, I don't know that there was a, a clear winner for me. So yeah. that's my that's my two cents about it.
0: Yeah, I um I was a little bit less ambivalent about it, especially with 007. I said mm-hmm. that Karev is my double of the 007 for the second episode in a row, um, and I felt like it was his inattentiveness to Yvonne that was like the clear indicator of him being yeah. a bad doctor this week, but also his carelessness with Jana, Jana, um, who's the pregnant woman. Uh oh, who yeah. goes up to her friend's room. And basically what happens there is that this woman just like leaves his care, like finds out that her friend is in the hospital, leaves his care and goes to the OB like the OBGYN wing of the hospital to visit with her. Yeah. And Addison is pissed at Karev. She is livid. That he has allowed this patient that he hasn't done a full workup on who's pregnant and been in this train accident to just waltz on up several floors to visit her to visit with her friend. And like fortunately for Alex, it ends up fine like she's fine, but he had no way of knowing that. And he kind of looks at Addison like, what was I supposed to do? And it's like, well, I don't know, you're a, you're the doctor with with complete authority over what she does and doesn't do in this hospital. So <laughs> Right. Yeah. Telling yeah. her absolutely not, you will not be getting out of bed is probably a good start. And physically restraining her is probably then your next <laughs> step. <laughs> so 007 was correct for me.
1: <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are not wrong. And to your What point about for chief, chief resident? Yeah, to your point about chief resident, I, I also was kind of like, you know, no one really blew me away with their... I was, I was sour on our attending doctors because, again, I disagreed with how they approached things with Bonnie. I was just... Right. <laughs> so I just <laughs> snubbed them. But I did say that the paramedic um ray oh, yeah. this is the first episode we see ray um I yeah think that's her name um yeah, i think you're right that she's super what do they all look alike episode. to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah she provides like the lay of the land to multiple doctors and just keeps putting things in perspective <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah I, I i will bite on that too that's great.
0: yeah But I also said Bailey because she's being asked to be like twelve different things, like twelve different people in cases, and she also was um, celebrating her anniversary, her tenth anniversary with her husband, and she did not get to eat her lobster. She didn't get to finish or even start. It sounds like her lobster, and that's something I wouldn't get over anytime soon. (laughs) Like (laughs) I'm pretty pretty real soldier about 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 lobster. (laughs) And she just is like, I got to go. There's an emergency. And I'm going to be honest and say that I, I probably would have eaten my lobster and then gone. That's why we're not surgeons, man. Lobster is really <laughs> expensive, too. What the hell? Dude, she's a surgeon. I just she can do that shit. I just I'm saying she's still a resident at this point. She's not making money. That's true. She's still paying. Yes. Who'd you have for your Karev of the week? My Karev of the week was Derek because he clearly
1: chose <laughs> Meredith and then changed his fucking mind like a Karev,
0: okay? Like a freaking Karev. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And she wrote this. It's important, listeners, that that you know that Megan wrote that sentence in caps lock. The whole sentence. That's right. It's just verbatim. I did because I know <laughs> I'm right. Okay. So. Anyway, I who was your Karev? (laughs) She says bitterly. (laughs) (laughs) I said I was soft, I guess. I said it was hard to give it to Derek because he's really gentle and caring with Bonnie. And I appreciated his sort of, I don't know, his interaction with his patient. Uh, (laughs) But he is... He is overall still the Karev for me. Um, he's the federal I, Karev that we keep the coming. The federal at. Karev, exactly. My my state Karev for this episode is Yang, actually, um, uh. because I think she's being really self centered about the leg, and she's being uh, to steal your word from last episode. She's being incredibly myopic, mm. like, and so my my sort of position is that perspective is probably pretty important in in a surgeon. And Yang does not demonstrate that she even understands what that word means. You know, like she's really young and she's naive and it's all about her right now, which doesn't make her a particularly good surgeon. You know, like she's clearly brilliant and has a gift. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That's only so much, you know.
1: Well, myopic is a is a
0: career quality. So, yeah. So 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 you kind of got into your line of the week,
1: yeah, yeah. That I really, for me, it was it was absolutely the conversation. Well, sort of conversation. Sort of Addison just dropping the mic on Izzy. Um, just in terms of of asking her to sort of grow a pair, <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: or you know, just to sort of like you know stop, decide how much you you want to hate me, and then think about your career. Yeah,
0: well, by all rights, you should hate me. Yes. Except that I'm going to be staying in town for a while. You are. Yes. And you show a real gift with my specialty. And I have a lot to teach, if you want to learn. So.
1: So. So. When you decide how important it is for you to hate me, let me know. And my other favorite part about this monologue that I'd forgotten until I'm rereading my notes is that halfway through this monologue, Addison steals Izzy's coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Addison. <laughs> Izzy's like standing there drinking coffee and Addison monologues at her and halfway through her monologue, reaches over, takes Izzy's coffee. At the end of her monologue, takes a big sip and walks away. And I just, I just love it. Addison love is it. such a boss. <laughs> she is such a boss. Oh,
0: yeah. I love it. So what about you? What do you have for line of the week? Uh, Well, I'll say first that I loved your choice of line of the week. And <laughs> Just like when I read it, I was like, ah. Oh, Yeah, that's so good. Um, (laughs) My line of the week was kind of, um, it was a representative line of the week, I felt. But it's Joe when Derek, when they have the slow motion scene of Derek walking into the bar. And Joe just goes, dude, you're late. (laughs) And I just felt like it was so indicative of Derek's thing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. So I just really (laughs) like it. So our medical fact of the week, I understand that we had a lot of exciting medicine right now, but I couldn't really decide what part of the, you know, pole bringing two people together by impaling them. I didn't really know what to Google about that.
1: I will tell you what not to Google, which is Grey's Anatomy pole impalement. Could you actually survive? It will yield no results except for one lady who's keeping a relationship blog With Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) (laughs) That relationship is probably going super well. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, I also tried to look that up and then had to leave to get to school. So
0: I was like, well, let's go with the banana bag. Because (laughs) basically, so Meredith starts this episode super drunk. She's been doing what we assume is tequila shots. And Mm -hmm. she's apparently on call. So she's a dumbass. Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. she she gets the page to go in for this you know emergent situation and Bailey's you know she's like I can't operate because I'm drunk Bailey's like I don't believe you but whatever (laughs) then (laughs) Meredith says something (laughs) stupid to some patient you know like is this the craziest thing you've ever seen and Meredith just says yeah (laughs) (laughs) and Bailey's like you're done here (laughs) So Bailey's Bailey suggests that she you know hooks herself up to a banana bag in a couple of hours you'll be sober. You're useless to me now. So this banana bag thing comes up often and I was like is this real like what's in a banana bag <laughs> like first yeah. of all um and <laughs> like would it actually help a person to sober up you know sooner? Than they would otherwise. Mm. Um, And so, I actually, to answer this question, I'm still trying to figure out how technologically speaking we can have people call in because this would have been an episode where I really would have liked um, these Mm. folks who helped me out to actually chat with us for a little bit. Yeah. Um, So, I'm still figuring that out. Once we have that out, ideally, we'll have like a guest, you know, every other episode or something, which I think will be really cool. Um, yeah. But to answer the first question is basically, and this is straight up just Wikipedia, but, a you know, a banana bag is a bag of IV fluids that are going to contain vitamins and minerals um, like thiamine, folic acid um, and magnesium sulfate. Um, and so it's it's the first nursing friend that I talked to discussed the banana bag as like, you know, a, a device that helps like. Um, it helps with dehydration, which is, you know, like one of the causes of a hangover is that you're dehydrated, but Mm -hmm. it also replenishes like electric electrolytes um, and other, you know, sort of like nutritional issues that you're having because you've just had a ton of alcohol. So first nurse was like, this is what's in it, and this is essentially what it would be, like, trying to treat. Right. So then I talked to a pair of other nursing friends who, who are actually scrub nurses. They work in, in the operating room, and she says, you know, it's basically like drinking a Gatorade um, in that it's mm-hmm. replacing electrolytes in, in fluid, right? And so I, mm-hmm. so my question was really, like, would it work that fast? Because my thing... And correct me if I'm wrong about this timeline, but she's out at Joe's bar. It's probably like 12 o'clock, something, 11 o'clock at night. She's yeah, I was. Tr- yeah,
1: I would yeah. say I, in my head, it was like nine or 10. Oh, okay. sure. It's okay. it's nighttime.
0: Yeah. So it is evening. <laughs> and she goes there. She's doing shots of tequila. How many shots of tequila do we think she's had? Cause she's drunk and she drinks tequila a lot, so yeah. she has a pretty good tolerance. <laughs> yeah, I would guess like five or six. Yeah, right. That's what I was thinking too. Like usually yeah. a handful of tequila shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Bailey's saying in a couple of hours you'll be sobered up. <laughs> right. And so I was like, would a banana bag really work that fast? And my nursing friend said, you know, it depends on how much she was drinking and what her tolerance level is. So she's Mm -hmm. drinking a lot and her tolerance level is high. Um, She also says, which is probably the larger point here about banana bags. um, If there's any chance you could be called into the hospital to work, you shouldn't be doing tequila shots. <laughs> she says, I also know that Grey's Anatomy is a medical drama and that I stopped watching when Catherine Heigel did CPR on a freaking deer. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, can't. I don't have an argument with that. Yep, yep, yep. You're in not Grey's wrong. Grey's World, then, this is all in caps lock. Sure, why not? <laughs> this is a fake <laughs> medical show and I just wish our doctors were this attractive. I then just looked at this article on academic life in emergency medicine, uh, which seems to be peer-reviewed and came out November 5th, 2014. It's called Myth-Busting the Banana Bag. Um, And basically, at the very end of the article, um, they say, the bottom line, if you're seeing an acutely intoxicated patient in the emergency room, IV fluids aren't going to help them sober up any faster.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess in my head, they they helped with hangovers more than helped you sober up faster. Yeah. Like, which is sort of what it sounds like, I guess. Because that's a thing that you can do in Las Vegas, and I'm sure in other <laughs> places. I'm sure you could probably do it in D.C. if you want. You can pay $100, and a paramedic will come. Because paramedics are almost pri- always private. They're not a public, you know, yeah. like they're contracted through, you know, hospitals and whatnot. So. Right, um, right. So... You can for a hundred dollars can get a banana bag so that you can, and it's common in Vegas, right, where people want to party all the time. They don't want to deal with hangovers, so uh, it's. I had always understood it, which I guess is it's a little bit confusing in this particular episode. But I had always understood it as like something that helps with the hangover more than helps you actually get sober faster. This
0: episode had sort of led me to believe that it was a, a speed thing, like right, she'd right, get over right, it. Right she'd sober up more quickly because she did the banana bag. But Mm. that was sort of my misunderstanding. So my, my discussions with three nurses have led me to believe that it's really just about curing the hangover. Um, And one of the nurses pointed out that it's, it's actually like a lot. It's, it's used more often for people who aren't going through detox that like that's when a banana bag is actually going to be useful. Um, so not just for (laughs) drunk doctor, (laughs) drunk idiots. (laughs) That's, that's what
1: we got this week. (laughs) That's what we have today. I am so happy to be back. Um, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us today. We'll be back next week to talk about
0: season two, episode seven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure will. And in the meantime, you can check out our old episodes. We are now available on Podbean, on iTunes, and on Stitcher, which is kind yeah. of exciting. So if you if you don't, you know, have the, the native podcasting app that comes with iTunes, you have an Android, Android phone, you can now opt to listen to us on Podbean or Stitcher. And uh, if you do listen to us on iTunes, you know... Give us five stars and tell us what a great job we're doing. Please. (laughs) You can find us online at code hyphen grays.tumblr.com, which is going to be more active. We've been. I don't have any excuses. I don't either. (laughs) I mean, you do more death in the family, but I didn't have anything. I just haven't posted in a while, but we will be back on that grind. And you can also find us on Twitter, which we've been much more consistent with. Um, You can find us at code underscore grays underscore. And uh, if you're interested, probably in the next, in the next week or so, I am potentially going to be live tweeting, my experience <sighs> yes. of Derek Shepard's death, <laughs> which I'm, I'm tune in for it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> I can do this. I'm gonna pour a glass of wine and have maybe I'll my make a Kleenex. drinking game out of your
1: watching of <laughs> Derek Shepherd dying too. So, please if do. anybody else wants to partake in that, please reach out via. The previously mentioned sources. Yes, yes, please do.
0: So look out for that. And uh then, of course, if you ever have any questions, comments, concerns, um, you can reach us um via email at codegrays at gmail.com. So thanks so much for listening. Thank you.